With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavy metal, the way it was meant to be.
welcome back to Heavy Metal Mayhem. We started things off tonight with the Cro-Mags. That comes off the band's second record where Harley took over vocals as well as bass. And I have to tell you, he is without a doubt the most violent and angry Harry Krishna out there. <laughs> Especially after attacking his old bandmates uh, last year <laughs> at Webster Hall before his show. Uh, I, I don't know what ever happened with that. I didn't hear anything after that. I know he went in there. I believe he stabbed the new bass player. I'm not sure. <laughs> But I haven't heard anything about what happened to him after that. And uh, I used to have him on Facebook. For some reason, I don't have him there anymore either. But uh, great band back in the day. The 80s were an amazing time for hardcore. And so I was one of the few bands that might have been still, but I never got to play with And I wish we did because they were like, you know, top tier back in the day. All right. We got a great show for everybody tonight. In about a half hour, even less than that, Biff Bifid from Saxon. Have a brand new record out. The second one this year, even though this one is made up of acoustic and orchestral covers of some of their older tunes. If you buy the Digipack, man, it comes with the Heavy Metal Thunder uh, CD attached to it, so it's a good deal. And the Saxon have been hot as hell lately. And, uh, and this is like the second time I think we've had Biff on this year, so I'm looking forward to talking to him again. And the second half of the show, Kevin Montgomery from Suedo Seidel, a killer band out of Florida that I've, I'm proud to say I haven't known since the beginning because they've been bouncing around for like 20 years with this idea, but... 2013 was a big year for the band, putting out a new record, and we'll talk to Kevin later on in the show. But until then, we're going to keep the music flowing. Tommy's out with me tonight. Uh, we were out the other night. We went to uh, Dingbatch in New Jersey to see John Oliva uh, do a storyteller's uh, tour. Uh, we missed the first band who opened up. I don't even really know who they were. Uh, the Seven Witches were also on the bill, and it was the first time I got to see them with Anthony Cross on vocals. And uh, they did the best job they could. I mean, they weren't given any stage at all. I mean, Anthony had like a little two-by-two two, uh, feet of space on the stage to perform on. John Oliva's equipment took up the entire stage. So the drummer was on the floor, Jack Frost was on the floor, the bass player was on the floor. And it was very hard to hear it and get a good sound because, you know, the crowd was blocking all the instruments a little further in the back. But they did a great job, and I have to catch those guys again when they get a little stage area to play on. But uh, John sounded pretty good, too, man. It was the first time I've seen him since the 80s was Sabotage. So, uh... It was a pretty good show, and I got to hang out with my buddy T all night long. All right, let's keep the music flowing. I got brand new artillery. Uh, you wouldn't even know that these bands released records today. Tommy and I were putting together our list for the end of the year for the show, like, you know, the best albums. Uh, we weren't going to do a worst album thing because, you know, it's kind of disheartening to a lot of bands that we think their albums are really bad. So we just made albums that we were disappointed in. And we picked, like, five albums each, and... Uh, so we got that going on, and we were talking about that the other day. So we'll have that coming up at the end of the year, too. And uh, a lot of bands, like they think we have to expand it to 10 now because I wanted to keep it short and simple. But one of the categories that came up with were bands that put out albums this year, and people didn't even know they had an album out. I mean, the album came out, you heard about it for a couple of days, and they faded away. You know, and uh, I'll tell you, this album is kind of new. It just came out recently, so hopefully it'll gain a little traction. Uh, this is the first time I'm actually hearing anything off it myself. So the album is called Legion's. The song is called Chill Me Till the Bones Burn My Flesh. Let's check it out together.
with Eradicate Mankind. You know, the band was supposed to have their new record, Immortal Legacy, out this year, and it kind of got delayed and postponed quite a few times. So now we're ready for it next year. I believe the end of February, beginning of March, is coming out on a Steam Hammer. So uh, we will definitely have uh, Kate back on the show then. And I'm really happy that the title of the album isn't in Spanish, because, boy, it was a hard to pronounce the name of the last record over the last year and a half. So Immortal Legacy is easy to live with, even though I'm sure there'll be a couple of Spanish titles on the record itself. All right, we'll get on one or two more tunes. We'll reach out to Biff. We'll get that interview going. we got Kevin calling in the second half of the show. Let me see what I can do. I, before that, I had the, the artillery. It was pretty good. That uh, chill, chill my bones, burn my flesh. Not bad at all. It was the first time I was handing a record since I got it. So uh, we'll have to get a few more tunes on before the end of the year. All right, but like I was saying, let's do our demolition segment. We only have two more weeks left in the year after this show. So uh, there's only two more demos I'm going to be putting up. Then we're going to kind of wrap that up. I just put this one up last night myself because I actually forgot all about it. It's a band called Virgin Star. The song is called Hit and Run. Head over to the blog spot, download it while you can. Whatever's up there is going to stay up there until the links go dead. So uh, grab them while you can, like I said. Here you go, Virgin Star. Thank you. 
Glory Bells with Dressed in Black. All right, I'm going to get Biff on the line right now, and uh, I'll play a Saxon tune, and I'll get him ready to come on, because every time I uh, try to call over to Europe using Skype in a conference call, uh, it's like five minutes of me mumbling and cursing that I can't figure out how to make it work. So instead of making you put up with that today, I'll give you some Princess of the Night, and we'll have Biff on right after this.
Princess of the Night. It's a good thing I played it because I dialed in. I got a business signal. All right, let me try one more time. Hang on and bear with me here. Hello? Hey, Biff, this is Mike from Heavy Metal Mayhem. How are you? Yeah, sorry about that. I was just upstairs. No, that's okay. I'm glad I got okay. you. With, with this technology today, I can never figure it out, so I don't know who I'm getting sometimes. Okay. <laughs> it, it was, it's great to have you on here today. And, you know, being a fan from going back to the very early days of the band, it's amazing that next year is the band is 35 years old, two records out this year, a coast-to-coast tour for the first time in God knows how long of the U.S., and a lot of the albums were issued again on vinyl. So this is a really busy year for Saxon. Yeah, it's a great year for Saxon, actually, and um, yeah, I don't know why it's any different than the other year, but <laughs> this year, I think we've had a great album, and uh, you know, uh, I think people, you know, have been, have been looking on Facebook and the, and you know, on our website, finding out where we are and coming to see us. So I just think it's, uh, you know, it's made a big difference. Uh, you know, the internet really does help a lot. I mean, but like, you have a band like Saxon. I mean. The 90s were a hard time, I think, for heavy metal in general, but does a band like Saxon who had a name, you know, you had the name recognition, you had the popularity, are you guys kind of immune to the changes in music, or do you kind of have to, you know, you know go with the ebbs and flows of, you know, what's taking place? Well, I, I think, I, think um, I mean, it came as a bit of a, I mean, the American thing, for instance, came as a bit of a, uh, of a shock to us, really, because we didn't expect it to be that good, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, uh I just think we're just going with the flow, really, you know, and, and seeing what's happening, really. Yeah, things over here have definitely picked up over the years. You know, heavy metal in general has kind of breathed a new life again over the last few years. So I can see, you know, striking while the iron is hot and getting everything out there. But, I mean, sacrifice. Yeah, I, mean, the rec- I think the record company wanted to release, uh, you know, wanted to release an album while we're still sort of, uh, you know, um, riding a wave, so to speak, before we broke. Uh, broke for, but I thought I thought it was coming out for, uh, I thought it was coming out for the motorway tour that got postponed, really. Um, but you know, it seems to have hit the mark. I mean, people seem to love it, really. Yeah, well, you know, unplugged is strung up. I mean, this isn't the first time you kind of dabble with orchestration and stuff like that, but it's the first time you really gave that treatment to this many songs. And and it sounds phenomenal. I and mean, I was watching the video of Frozen Rainbow and seeing you playing guitar. I mean, that's not too often that we get to see you play an instrument. And people forget you started out as a bass player many, many years ago. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, play, I, I, mean, I first started playing guitar when I, when I was young, obviously. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's just... Um, it's just, it's just sort of, uh, you know, a second nature to me really to play guitar. I play guitar when we're writing, when the, when we're writing songs as well. So, um, you know, it, it's just um, obviously I'm a guitarist, so it's all right. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. people don't usually see me in that role. Exactly. It was pretty cool to see that. I really enjoyed it, and I love the treatment that you gave Frozen Rainbow. When you go that far back into the catalog to the first record, I mean that, you know, especially that song. We don't get to hear that too often. It, it takes like a whole new life. Yeah, I, did, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't know Rules and Rainbow was out yet, actually. So, so yeah, that's really good if it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah it sounds <laughs> great. But you know, you've worked with orchestras outside of sax that I heard for many years, right? Sorry, we've been what? Uh, you personally have worked with an orchestra outside of you know Saxon that I heard for many years. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, it's. Um, I think I think that the important thing with with orchestrating your songs is is you just have to take your time and pick the right songs if you know what I mean. Uh, I know it sounds a bit stupid that, but sometimes bands don't pick the right songs. You know, they 
they just go a bit classical, too classical for for some people. Um, so I think I think uh, the album with Dawn is very. I think the stuff's sympathetic to the tracks. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it really is. Did you try to make it work on a certain song that it just didn't come out right? It wasn't didn't have the right vibe. Well, a couple of things we tried. Um, not too much actually. I mean, we tried a couple of the faster songs like Princess of the Night and stuff, and uh, it just didn't work because there wasn't enough space in the tracks. You know, and um, it just didn't work, so we, we, we decided not to do the fast tracks, really. Yeah. Well, you know, I know it's, like, impossible to kind of get an orchestra together and go out and hit the road and do these songs, but do you think you may be able to do, like, a one-off show with a complete full orchestra somewhere? Um, we could do. We have been talking about maybe doing it um, in one of the bigger festivals we're doing next year, uh, but I don't know which one yet, so we'll just have to see how that goes, really. Yeah, that would be something to say. I know most of us can't get... You yeah, know, I think some... people would like to see that, actually. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it would be quite interesting to do. Uh, I don't think if we use a full orchestra, we might use two keyboard players, a few a few uh, violinists or something, you know, mix it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great to see that. I would love, but I also heard that for next year because it's the you know the 35th anniversary of the band. You're kind of gonna go, and also the Crusader record uh, is, has an anniversary next year. You're gonna go. Well, out Crusader, the first we're gonna time. feature Crusader a little bit next year. Oh, nice. Uh, and see how that goes, you know. But I hear most of the shows are gonna focus on the first half a dozen records from the band. Yeah, uh, our headline shows. I, I don't think we're gonna do it with more because we don't have time. But we might we might do a couple of songs on that uh, on that tour, you know. That would be good. Well, I, I know not long ago you wrapped up playing here in the U.S. You kind of went, you know, all over the place, which was the first time in a long time. Uh, how did it work out? Some of the cities that you haven't been to. It was great. It was great. I mean, um, I mean, obviously there was, a, you know, there was a couple of, uh, there was a couple of sort of duff ones on a Monday night somewhere. I don't know, but um, yeah, I think I think everybody was pleased. I mean, <clears throat> they've invited us back, so yeah, that's always good. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You know, when somebody asks, well, when somebody asks you to come back, you know, yeah. um, in that studio, it's going a bit nuts. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, when people ask you to come back, uh, it's always great. Yeah. You know, to to get if you can get it together. Sure. And uh, well, I think we're going to be trying coming back in April if I uh, want we'll see how that goes. Well, that would be great. You, you've been regulars here in the U.S. for a long time now, especially in New York. We catch you guys at BBK. Yeah, we, we just haven't done a coast to coast really for a yeah. while. And uh, I think, you know, that's sort of um, been everybody's sort of wish for a long time sure. uh, on the fans. So, you know, it's, um, it's, um, it's great to go back in, really. And, and the fans turned out to see us, you know, which, which made it all fantastic. I mean, some of the major, some of the big cities were absolutely brilliant, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, um, I mean, New York was great. You know, uh, Chicago was great. I mean, they were all great, really. I mean, some real big surprises. Milwaukee, we did great. Um, so, yeah, the plan is just to come back in April and hit the cities we didn't hit. Oh, that would be great for them. I mean, you know, like, you know, all farts like me, we're there to see you guys all the time, but are you finding, like, a young audience starting to come into the band now more because it's more accessible with the Internet for them? Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think basically in, uh, in America... <clears throat> It's very mixed. I mean, I mean, some of the theatre gigs, you, the younger audience can get in, but sometimes if you play some of the some of the sort of uh, you know the the sort of more nightclub-y type places, then it's generally not an all ages gig. So that 
that's a little bit uh, hard sometimes, but generally uh, we had all ages shows and you know, lots of lots of American, uh, you know, young 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 fans coming in dressed in denim and leather, you know, getting into it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to see it all going on actually. Yeah, that is one of the problems because of the drinking age is 21. A lot of kids that want to go can't get into some of the smaller places where that, they're that's at. That's right. And, you know, it's, then, it's, it's like a catch-22, really. Yeah. You know, you, you play the smaller venues because, you know, they'll, they'll give it you in a town, but then, then a lot, half the audience can't get in. So it's always a problem, that. It's always a pain. I know. Do you, I mean, what do you find the hardest part of the music business today? I mean, you've seen the, you know, the collapse kind of of the record labels, and bands are doing it on their own mostly today. A band like Sax is not generally in that position, but, I mean, is it better today for bands, I mean, like where they have more control of their music and what they're putting out compared to the 70s and 80s, or do you feel like maybe that's the worst part of the business today? Well, the business today, I mean, it's totally changed, hasn't it? it you have to be really sort of um, <clears throat> internet conscious now. I mean, a lot of new bands are. <clears throat> it's getting record companies actually to 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 uh, to give the new new bands distribution, you know, and and sort of getting them out there. I mean, a lot of bands just have the internet and YouTube and things. But I mean, it is hard. It's just hard in a different way than it was with us, you know. I yeah. Mean, it's just just harder. Uh, I don't know if it's any harder. It's just different now. You know, it's a lot easier to get on the internet and get some fans. True. But it's a lot harder to, you know, to go on tour and, and sort of, uh, you know, sell product and T-shirts because that's what you need to do to survive, really. Yeah. Do you find it harder to adapt to, like, the change in the scenes? Because, like, you know, we, we, came from, we come from a certain era where we expect things a certain way. But do you have to kind of adapt and die or, or die, you know, in, in the music world today? Sorry, I didn't get that. The scab's cracking up a bit. You know, we come from like a certain era, like where we expect certain things from music in the 70s, where, you know, a band put out a record, we bought that vinyl record, we waited a few months, the band went out on tour for that record. It's a whole different thing today. So do you kind of have to adapt to the new, you know, music world, or you kind of like, you know, fade away if you don't? Well, I think, I think the, the thing is, with, with, uh, I mean, you have to keep making albums, I think, and writing new songs. Um, I suppose it's okay if we never wrote, you know, if our last album was Denim and Leather or Crusader, then obviously we could tour on those big albums. But we have released a lot of albums since then. So I think the secret really for us is just to keep writing and then touring uh, for our fans, really. And um, I, I think that's the same today as it was then. I, I think hard work on the road does pay off. I mean, you know, you have such a massive catalog, so I know it's not so easy to pick and choose, you know, when you're out live, what to play, because you do want to feature the newest record to get that out there, but I tell you, I want to hear, just want to make love to you, when you did that Muddy Waters cover for Mac on Forever Free, your voice, if you weren't a heavy metal singer and you were born maybe in a different era, I think you were made for the blues. I think you were what, made for what? I think you were made for the blues music if you weren't born into the heavy metal band. Well, we are, we are, we, I mean, we are, obviously, we are very blues oriented. If you listen to the, if you listen to the unplugged stuff, then I'm singing all that quite bluesy. I mean, I did start off as a blues, uh, you know, guitarist and bass player and then as a singer. So, you know, I, I, the blues, I think the blues really is, uh, is there, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of blues in heavy metal. Yeah, you know, perhaps not the chromatic stuff, you know, the full-on, the full-on sort of speed stuff. But generally, in a lot of metal, there's a lot of quite a lot of blues influence in there. 
It really is. You know, but if somebody was asking me about the book you wrote a few years ago, Never Surrender, it's like almost impossible to find today. I actually went to go look to see what was going on with it on the internet, and a used copy in bad shape is going for over $100. Is there any chance you would ever like think about trying to get the book reprinted or maybe updating it and get yeah, it Yeah, we're talking about it going digital. Oh, great. But it is a long, it's a long, drawn-out process with books. I don't know what it is with the, with the book people. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just one of them things, you know. It's, um, it's uh, difficult. <laughs> Everything <laughs> with is. With books, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, they're going to try and get it on sort of, uh, you know, Kindle and, uh, you know, iBooks or something. That I, think, I think that's what it should be, really. It seems like books are going the way of the vinyl records. Even though vinyl is well, making I mean, a bit yeah, of a I think you could always, people will always buy books. But I think, I think for rock and roll sort of biographies, I think the internet would be good for it. You know. I mean, I have a copy. But it would be great if other people... I mean, if you have any extra copies, you can make a fortune putting them up for sale on the internet because they're going for $100 a pop, which is probably yeah, like I 150 mean, pounds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're very rare. Yeah, um, I think I've got. I've only got three or four copies in my cupboard. Yeah. So I, I don't have a lot of. I don't have a lot of copies, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean it, it's it's nice for it to be so rare, really, and so expensive. I think it's it's like an antique, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, this has been an amazing year, and we're getting to the end yeah. of it now. And my I mean, the thing is, you can buy it in Italian, German, and and uh, French as well. So it, it's not just in English, you know. We could get a copy and have somebody translate. That's not. Uh, that's yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could pick up like a German copy, but that's been no good to anybody that couldn't speak German, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but Biff, I was saying, this is the end of the year, and a lot of people compiling lists, and my co host, Tommy, who couldn't make it today for the interview, uh, he has Sacrifice as his number one record of the year, and it's popping up on a lot of people's playlists that way. So it's got right. to make you feel good that after all these years, when you put out a new record, it's still just as relevant as you say Denim and Leather was, you know. 25 almost 30 years ago. Yeah, I think the Sacrifice album really hit the hit the hit the nail really. Uh, for whatever reason, don't ask me. I don't know why it did that, but um, it did. And um, we're just lucky that people liked it. Really, you know, we 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 uh, we made an album that's a little bit more in your face. You know, a little bit more. Uh, not so many ballads on there. Just more sort of well, a little bit more 80s really in the style of writing. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, it really, really hit the mark, I think. I, I have to agree. And, you know, one of the things that comes up all the time when we play Saxon on the show, we talk about the band, everybody asks about Graham Oliver and Steve Dawson. And I'm like, you know, would they ever do, like, maybe a reunion? And I'm like, you know, Doug, who's, like, kind of the newest guy in the band, if you could even say that, at like, almost 20 years now. I exactly. mean, these guys have been in the band longer than Graham and, and Steve kind of combined together. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, it's a difficult call, really, you know. I mean, we don't really... We don't really spend a lot of time thinking about uh, reunions and things because we're so busy. Um, I suppose it's more on their agenda than our agenda, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, think they'd, so. they'd probably like to do a you know reunion, and um, you know, but I don't know whether they could do it and then just go back to what they're doing. I don't know. They might make too much of it, so I don't know really. They're not really, um, you know, they're not really. Um, kosher people, really. So you just have to be careful, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you know, like for nostalgia reasons, people talk about that stuff, but to me, I'm like, you know, Doug has been in the band almost 20 years. Those are the hours that I've been in. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with people talking about it. I mean, it's all right. 
I mean, we're not we're not upset when people talk about it. It's no big deal. You know, I mean, there'll always be people that want to see that original lineup, but I, I don't think Pete Gill can drum anymore, so it wouldn't be the original original anyway. Yeah. So it'd have to be Nigel, I suppose. Yeah. Who actually his first album was uh, Power and the Glory. That's right. So you know, it's difficult to do the original lineup. Um, you know, so I don't know. So it wouldn't be a, a absolute eighties reunion anyway. You know. I think things are fine just the way they are. <laughs> they are fine, yeah. I'm yeah. just saying people will talk about it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and... and you know, I quite like to hear people's comments, you know, about uh, you know about why we should have a reunion. Uh, but, uh, there aren't that many people. It's not, it doesn't run into hundreds of thousands. No, I, like I said, I think it's more nostalgia. People, they pine for those early days sometimes, and they talk about it, but... Well, yeah, but that's the same with every band. I mean, you know, there aren't, there aren't many bands that are still together completely. Yeah, true. You know... I mean, even Van Halen is a different bass player, you know, so... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, the reunion, reunion, it depends what year you go for, I suppose, you know. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to keep you much longer, Biff, because I know you do so many things a day and you get tired of talking about the same stuff, but you've worked with Andy Steep now for quite some time. What is it about working with Andy? Because, you know, you do a lot of your own producing, and bringing Andy in, what does he bring to the band that maybe, like, you know, you look for that, you don't, you know, do yourself? What do I look for writing songs? With, with Andy, working with Andy Sneap. Oh, with Andy Sneap? Yeah. Well, we, we, didn't work, we didn't work too much with Andy on writing and producing. I mean, Andy came in a bit later on. Uh, I mean, he came up with some great ideas for the sounds and things and a few bits and pieces, but um, I think he might get more involved in the new album, you know, the next album, I don't know. Yeah. Do you think we're going to... I heard that you actually wanted to put out a solo record a while ago. Is that something you're still thinking yeah, about? Yeah, I'm, I'm writing songs for a solo album at the moment. But I don't know when it's going to come out. We've also started writing for the next Saxon album as well. Wow. So I'll probably do two at the same time. I don't know. <laughs> it's no different than anything else you've been doing over the years. <laughs> well, I think, I think my solo album will definitely be a bit more bluesy. That would be a nice. A bit more sort of... Uh, you know, a bit more sort of... I don't know, it might not be. It might be heavier. I don't know. Yeah. But um, maybe a bit more vocal-orientated, you know. Do you want to try to keep it in the mold? You wouldn't want to keep it exactly like Saxon, because then... It would no, I don't want it exactly like Saxon. I'd probably make it. Yeah. I don't know, actually. I'll wait and see. You know, I've got a lot of people, a lot of friends who want to uh, perform with me on a solo album, so maybe it'll be a mixture of different styles, maybe. That would be great to hear. And, you know, ben, yeah. like I said, next year is a big year for the band. Every year is a big year when you're a saxophone that you're still giving us music. We're 35 years. And you know what? I hope that when we double that in 70 years, God willing, <laughs> we'll all see we back here talking again. God willing. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'll be on my Zimmer, friend. <laughs> hey, well, Biff, thank you very much for the interview today, man. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait no to problem, you guys come back to New York uh, in 2014. Yeah, we'll, we'll try and get back to New York. That would be great. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's always a great show. You guys, okay. I, I get tired okay. watching you guys, and I'm in the audience. So, God bless you. Brilliant. Okay, good speaking to you. You too, Biff. Take care. Okay, bye.
right, Saxon were crusader. That comes off the unplugged and strung up record. And uh, like we were saying during the interview, that album is going to be 30 years old next year. And uh, they're going to go out there and do like a classical type of tour where they're going to play everything off the first few records. So definitely looking forward to that. Saxon, if you caught them on the last tour of the U.S., which only ended a few weeks ago, uh, they put on one hell of a show. They always have. And it's great that they're still around doing this. All right, Kevin Montgomery from... Suedo Sido coming up in about an hour. Well, that's just 7 o'clock already. What? The time is flying here. About a half hour. But we're going to get on one or two more tunes. Mr. Ken Pierce, wait for him to call in with the console calendar update for the week. Uh, how about we do a little flotsam adjustment? It's been a long time since I've played him on the show. Here's Hard On You.
Dodge brand new Iron Mask off of the fifth son of the Winter Dome or Doom. Really good band out of Belgium. Uh, they've been around for about 13 or 14 years, and they've got about five records out. They just keep getting better and better. You know, a lot of hope for the future of heavy metal with bands like this out there. All right, let me see. Got on one or two more tunes, uh, but we got to get Kenny on right now. He's on hold, waiting to get on the line, and I'm contractually obligated to let him talk every week for about five minutes. So here he is, Mr. Ken Pierce from piercingmetal.com. Whoa, Mike, Mike, what are we, what are we doing here? It's it's December. Holy crap, man! I, I'm just I'm just blown away because it feels like I only called you five seconds. Uh, well, seven days ago. Well, that that would be that would be true. Sorry, I, I I'm on I'm on, uh, on a, I'm on a real excited high because I'm calling you guys today. I'm I'm actually uh, hiding somewhere in Roseland Ballroom because I am getting ready to see the band uh, Vamps, who are making their first appearance here from Japan. I told you guys about that last week, and they will be having a very special New York City opener with the guys in. Kill code. That's going to be an interesting one. But how how about that shit, man? We are we are already in December, and uh, the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center is all lit up. And I encourage anybody who's in the region to just brave the crowds and and come in and check out that that beautiful thing, whether you celebrate Christmas or not. Let me get right down to the nitty gritty because I have crap to do here at the venue tonight, and uh, there's only a few shows uh, that I noticed on the calendar. But listeners and readers, if I did make any errors, please shoot me a note on the Piercing Metal Facebook so I can append that quickly. Uh, Scrolling over to Wednesday, we got Red Fang over at the Bowery Ballroom, and they will be bringing along the Cancer Bats, the Shrine, and Indian Handcrafts. That's going to be an interesting gig, so do come on out if you like what those guys are doing. Nothing to see on Thursday, to my knowledge, but Friday is a couple of things going on in our fair metropolis. First thing I see is Protest the Hero. They are over at the Gramercy Theater. Just closed up a very uh, interesting little contest for that on the Piercing Metal site. Plug, plug, plug. And uh, and you know I love giving the tickets away when I can, Mikey. So anyway, that is happening on Friday the 13th. So don't let anybody tell you that it's bad luck because it's good luck when there's some rock and roll happening, man. I'm telling you. Uh, Fallout Boy, man, if you like those guys, they are at Madison Square Garden. That's got to be a real cool kick in the ass to to play your sound in rock in, in a place like Madison Square Garden, ain't it? So anyway, scrolling into Saturday, oh my God, Ben, you love so much and talk about all the time, and I have to hear so much more of to 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 catch up with you. The Great Attacker will be over at St. Vitus Bar with Liege Lord as a direct support. Maybe this is a co-headlining gig. I don't really know, but I would love to see that show, and I'm going to try to get myself down there. Mike, maybe you and I can... Uh, plan a little metal uh, tete-a-tete, you know? That means head-to-head, by the way. Uh, If we're not there, maybe we can go over to Monster Magnet, who are going to be over at the Bowery Ballroom. You know Monster Magnet kicks some serious ass. And uh, you you always want to see what Dave Windorf is going to be like on stage, because he's just such a great front man. Uh, Down at the studio in Webster Hall is Brand of Jewels, and this is going to be, I, I think this is a, um, this might be a Gotham Rock show if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, either way, it's uh, it's Brand of Jewels, and they are having uh, Ghosts of Eden, Fear Report, 
Dead Rocking Horse, and Srotakin 5, or 4, yeah, Srotakin 4, for a night of solid, heavy rock. And that, my friends, is all I have for you this week. Always remember to give Piercing Metal a like on Facebook. We'd love to keep you in the loop with our scoop. And we're doing the Twitter, and we are doing the Instagram. So if you use any of those things, do come along for the ride. I would love to have you along. And I will talk to you next week, Mikey. You guys have a great one. Christmas is coming. Talk to you next time. All right, Kenny, thank you very much. Christmas is definitely coming a few weeks away, and uh, I hope I was hanging out with Mike Sabatini the other night at the John Oliva show, and uh, we were talking about the gig coming up at St. Vitus this week. It's going to be a great show, and I'm hoping that I can make it. It's my wife's birthday this weekend. My sister's birthday is that night, so if she doesn't have a party or her husband doesn't have any cake for her, I'll be able to get over to Brooklyn. I'll be more than glad to take you with me, but uh, I won't know until we get closer to the end of the week. We'll see what happens then. It's a busy weekend for me. But Attacker, they've been getting so active and so busy again, and that's a good thing. And uh, they just reworked a, a Riot song uh, for the Keep It True Festival for a CD that's coming out uh, for that. So we, that'll be something to look forward to next year. And talking to Mike, they're definitely working on some brand new material. Hopefully maybe 2014 will be the year for them. So uh, it's great to see a band like that come back so strong, you know, with the, not a whole new lineup, but a relatively new lineup. Really good. But, you know, how about we get on a song off the brand new Attacker record? I know Eddie is a big Attacker fan, so this will go out to him tonight.
right, that was Allman with Hell's Gates. All right, we're going to get Kevin on the line in about 10 minutes. I'm going to play some music by the band. I have one more tune I want to get on before I play some Sweet Ocidal. But uh, a friend, I, I forgot what, Tommy and I were looking at a show the other day, and um, it was like a VIP meet and greet package. It was like $50. And, but that included the ticket to the show, uh, meeting the band before the show. I guess, you know, whatever autographs you can get. It's almost a little pricey because I think the regular ticket was about $20. So $30 more. I mean, for people like me, it's not too bad. For the younger kids, I don't know if they'd be willing to pay that for a band. Uh, but then I was looking at the Mega because Megadeth are on the road again. I mean, they're like in perpetual motion. They're constantly touring. And I was looking at their VIP package. And they have one that's going for $200 a person. And that doesn't include the ticket. Which, if you look at most of the markets, depending on where they're playing, like here in New York, I think it was going for $65 a ticket. So the tickets are going from like 40 to $65. You have a Kingmaker meet and greet package for 200 And then you have the Ultimate Guitar meet and greet package for $600. So 600 and the ticket, you'll get a close to $700 for Megadeth. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Ultimate one comes with a Dave Mustaine P-Cell's uh, Dean Guitar. Out of Flying V with, the, with the, one of the logos on there of the band, one of the pictures from one of the albums. And if, I mean, the, the, the guitar itself is about $500. So if you're, if you're a Megadeth fan, you're going to go out and buy the guitar anyway. For like 100 bucks more outside of the price of the ticket, you know, you get a few other things added with it. You get a photo meet with the band. I saw a picture of it. They take a, like a whole band picture with you behind like a backdrop of the, the logo of the band. So you get that. You get the, the guitar autographed. Uh, what else was there? It was access, I guess, to fan club for a year. Uh, there was an entry to an official pre-show VIP party with VIP check-in and the VIP this. All this stuff is VIP. Then you get there, it's usually somebody from the club that doesn't even want to be bothered with you who shows you around the place. And it was a copy of Super Collider, which was no really great loss of gain. A signed copy of a booklet of the, of the album, uh, a ring, uh, a laminate, and a lanyard. There's a whole bunch of crap that they give out with it, but like I said, $600 is a lot, but if you go to some of the shows, all of those tickets are sold out. Whoever's out there is buying them just to get an autographed Dean Guitar, I guess, of, uh, uh, from Dave Mustaine, but that's an awful lot of money. I don't care who you are to spend on a Megadeth show. I'm uh, paying $7 to see them at Lamar's in 1984. <laughs> I thought it was a long time ago, but even the $200 package is a lot of money. It's a couple of drinks and a meet and greet before with the copy of the CD and a booklet and the language and all that other crap that they give you. I just think that's really excessive. And I guess people that don't really have any families or kids or bills or responsibilities and have good jobs can afford to take these packages on. It's not a big deal to them. But uh, 600 bucks that's a lot of money in my opinion. I mean, uh, even though you get the guitar, I mean, it's still a lot of money. All right, one more tune. I'm going to play you some Suedo Sido. We'll get Kevin on the line. Here's a band called Bent Circus. My band still been play with these guys up at the Grunge Club in Middletown, New York, many, many years ago, probably close to 30 years ago. Uh, and they weren't that good back then, and I don't remember if they're any good now. <laughs> I haven't really played them in a long time, but uh, here's a song called Shut Up. Shut up! Shut up! 
All right, sway the cider with the dogs of Pompeii. I'm going to get Kevin on the line in two seconds. Just want to remind everybody, this Thursday on the Metal Matinee, the theme is Misery Loves Company. This show is right up my alley because my wife says I'm miserable all the time. So don't forget to tune in at 12 p.m. EST. And uh, next Sunday night, we have a brand new show for you, but it's not going to be live. I'm going to pre-record it sometime during the week uh, because it's my lovely wife's birthday next uh, Sunday night, and we're going to be away celebrating. So, But it's brand new. I have an interview with Leather Leone from Chastain. Leather's a great girl. I love talking with her. Uh, she was on here last year with Sandy Sledge, and uh, we'll have her on this weekend. I'm going to talk to her this week. And Maxwell Carlisle, who I already spoke to, we're going to get those two pre-recorded interviews up with a lot of great music. So don't forget to tune in next uh, Sunday night. The chat won't be open because, like I said, it won't be live, but it will be brand new. And we'll be back the week after that with a brand new show. We have John Schaefer from Ice Earth and Prophet from St. Madness. Don't forget to tune in. All right, let's get Kevin on the line here. Hello? Kevin, it's Mike. Yo, Mike. How you doing, brother? All right, buddy. What's going on? How you been? I've been great. Been great. All right, man. It's great to have you on here today. You know, I apologize because sometimes I forget. I'm friendly with so many bands on Facebook that I never even think to invite them on the show to help promote their band. And you kind of got by me there. But I'm glad that you're on here now. And, you know, we're going to just do what we can like we always do to help promote the band. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, that's great, man. So, listen, a couple of years ago, we came across each other. You sent me some music. I fell in love with the band and the group back then. But this thing has been going on a lot longer than that in one form or another, hasn't it? Yeah, my buddy Jeff and I actually started off in high school uh, jamming on Black Sabbath and Metallica tunes when we were hanging out together back in the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, from there, we had our friends John and Bobby. We were playing together a lot, just kind of in the garage, making noise, having fun, you know? And then Jeff and I have intertwined lives through college and then later on hanging out at different shows that we'd go see. But in 2009, we got together at a Clutch concert, and we've been gearheads about just loving Clutch from the beginning, and that was our spot where we actually started sharing new ideas after years of just you know, putting this to bed and not even thinking about doing anything serious. Uh, and then he actually had about three or four songs that he had written on his uh, daughter's guitar. <laughs> wow. He, he had made a guitar for his little girl and had princesses all over it, but somehow <laughs> felt inspired to start playing metal again. <laughs> and uh, literally had like three songs totally written, shared them with me, and the spark was lit, man. We were ready to go again. Well, I'm glad that you were. And, you know, we've been playing on and off throughout the years, but this was a pretty big year. Video, album, I mean, you know, it doesn't get any better than that, especially for being that, like you said, you know, you kind of had this thing on the back burner for a long time. And, you know, to pick it up a few years later, especially like, you know, you've seen the, the scene of metal change from like, you know, when we were kids in the 80s, you know, going through the 90s and the last two decades. So, like, to put it together as quickly as you did, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Well, you know, the passion was still there, man. I've, I've always been a huge metal fan my entire life. Uh, I was a college DJ for a little bit in the early 90s over at UCF in Orlando, and uh, I really got thrown in the weeds with, it was a total death metal show. And up until then, I just knew, like, you know, the crew and Metallica and some of the thrashy stuff, Slayer, Megadeth, you know. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, I started DJing this death metal show, and it opened up my eyes to a whole new vibe of, like, you know, Napalm, Death, Theocide, Morbid Angel, 
you know, all those really dark and, and scary groups, you know. Um, and Jeff and I ended up in Tampa. So when we were living there in the mid-'90s, I know metal died, like, everywhere, I think, except for Europe. But yeah. for us, we were in the hotbed, man. Tampa was blowing up, and every metal show that came through, we would go and jump in the pit with our buddy Chris and get crazy and just absorb that vibe. And honestly, I think that left a real mark on what we wanted to do with Pseudocidal, you know, with the band now. We, you know, we felt like Pseudocidal couldn't help but be influenced from that mid-'90s hardcore base of, of the people that truly loved metal, still went out to the shows, still supported it, and every metal band stopped in Tampa. So we had a plethora of amazing shows to go say, and that, that really gave us kind of our, our groove of where we wanted to take it. Yeah, well, you know, Florida is like the death capital of the world, like it's the death metal capital. <laughs> it's just it's just a death capital. Actually, it is too in a way, but it's a death metal capital <laughs> yeah, of the world over too. there. Yeah, do you find that like most bands will fall into that category or they want to go into that because they feel there's such a, a strong base for it over there? Or, or is it as strong as it used to be? I, I, well, living in Tampa in the 90s, that was where that was it. And Aces Records, Morris Sound Studios, uh, Ybor City, I'd be down there hanging out and learning to like James Murphy, we played with Testament, you know, for a little bit, and had Disincarnate. Uh, running to Glenn Benton in the alleys, I wouldn't talk to him because he scared me, you know. But, you know, it was it was just that uh, there was something seedy about Tampa, I think, that drew that, that negative vibe. But uh, I'm, I'm grateful to have been there during that time because, like I was saying with, with our sound, with the band, we're not really a death metal band, but somehow some of that seeped into what we were doing. And I think most of all, we were we were really digging on bands like Pantera, Prong, White Zombie, that groove element um, had, had been something that we carried with us all these years. And I think that's something that we, if you listen to the pseudocidal and you check out the record, you can hear a lot of that influence. Oh, I you know I've said it before. I feel like you guys take the best of like everything out there in, in metal and rock from the '80s and '90s, the last decade. And you guys mix it together, and it just comes out to this completely new and original and different vibe that you got going on musically. And that's what I love about it because when I hear it, I hear like that classic, you know, metal sound where, you know, you recognize the song. I hear that real heavy, dirty, grungy stuff. I hear. You know, the, like you said, the death metal in there, maybe not your vocals, but I just mean, it just all comes through, and no matter how subtle it is, you can hear it in there, and it kind of appeals to everybody. Well, thanks, man. That's, that, that's what we're trying to do. I mean, I, I got to give Jeff a lot of credit for that, because uh, he's generally the guy who comes up with the song structures. He's the, the riff master and very rhythm-oriented. You know, he doesn't do a lot of leads or anything. It's usually just in the pocket and driving. You know, it's traditional driving metal. But like you said, we do have a lot of those other influences that creep in here and there. And then we've got um, Jay Thomas on bass. He's a lot younger than the rest of us. So he has kind of like this more of a early 2000s vibe that he brings to it, even a little bit of an indie kind of vibe. And then Anthony, the drummer, honestly, he was telling me that he uh, used to play Black Sabbath tunes a lot when he was a kid. And then he got into doing like this little side project where he does like weddings and plays in uh a band like that does uh, nightclubs and stuff like that, lots of 60s and 70s cover songs. So when he plays with us, he's like, I just need to unleash the energy, man. This is the band where I get it all out of my system. I love this band, you know. So yeah. um, we, we really gel together really well. I'm grateful that all of us are like brothers when we get up there and just bang it out and, and represent them. 
That's cool. And, you know, I love the name. It's very original. I have to go really, really slow to actually pronounce it the correct way. <laughs> Suicidal with my Brooklyn Italian New York accent and my speed. It never comes out the right way. So I got to, like, take it down a thousand notches, which I forget. But it's such an original name. I mean, where, how did you come up with it? Oh, man. Well, you know, Jeff and I were kicking around the ideas of different names. I was thinking of planets, and I was kind of thinking of, like, this whole psyched out, you know, tripped out kind of vibe. And, Jeff's like, man, no, I'm not feeling that. And he was in the bathroom one day because that's the only place you get peace when you've got kids around. You know, you've got to sit in the bathroom yeah. and get your 10 minutes. <laughs> he was reading a book, and he came across the word, and he called me from, from the throne, you know, and he's like, Kev, dude, I think I got it. What about pseudocidal? And, you know, I'm, I'm a therapist. I work in mental health. I, I do therapy all day. That's my job. And, of course, I identified with that immediately. I'm like, I love it. And it was, you know, it's a made-up word, so I love the idea that it could be, um, they actually said in, online somewhere that it's like if you pretended to kill yourself, you didn't really do it, and you end up reinventing yourself as a new person, where you fake your death and, and kind of go on and pretend to be somebody new, it's like a new beginning. And other people have said that it's kind of like um, when you go online and you take on a different identity and you pretend to be somebody else, in a way that's like a pseudo side of your original self as you pretend to be some new person online, you know? Yeah. So it had multi multiple meanings, and I thought it was deep and cool, and everybody dug it, so it stuck. It really is. I guess I'm more impressed that he can go to the bathroom, read a book, and take a shit in 10 minutes. That's got me more impressed <laughs> than the name of the band now, because I couldn't accomplish that. You know, <laughs> he's an amazing man in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, Kelly, like we were saying, Roots Run Deep, you put it out this year, Amazing album. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that it's on my top 10 for the year until we do the show at the end of the year, but I think you're pretty safe in there. But I'm just saying, great album. How did you come about putting it together? Because it's really hard for any band, you know, to record an album. And you guys did it on your own, and it's top-notch. As well as the video, I have to tell you, the video for Vigilante, I mean, mm -hmm. it looks like it was done professionally. Well, I, I got to give credit where credit's due, man. My wife is a, an amazing woman. I love her so much. She's actually a master's in fine arts, and she's a professor. She has all these connections that really helped us out. She knows this gentleman by the name of Mark Bosey, who uh, was willing to help, help shoot that video for us. And the guy is an acclaimed director. He's really an amazing person and a very talented director. So he shoots this video with his best friend's film company, and that started generating a lot of vibe on, on uh, YouTube. So that sort of propelled us to think, okay, we could really do this. Let's get in the studio and make it happen. So I'm a big fan of a lot of sludge and doom metal. You know, I'm kind of into the high on fire sound. So we've got some local bands here. One's called Hollow Leg. Another band out of Orlando is called Junior Bruce. They've got the same lead singers named Scott Angelicos. He used to sing for Bloodlet back in the 90s. Okay. Um, he and I got to talking after one of the Hollow Leg shows, and I'm like, yo, brother, how much does it cost to make a CD, you know, like the one you're putting together now? Because I knew they were in the studio. And he said it was pretty reasonable, and he put me in touch with uh, Jeff McAleer with High Five Audio out of the land. That's his buddy, and they work together on recording everything that uh, Hollow Leg and Junior Bruce does. Uh, and I met Jeff, man, nicest guy in the world, knows his metal backwards and forwards, and said, look, you guys, come on down here. We'll bang this thing out. We'll make it raw. We'll make it real. We'll really capture your sound, but we just need you to get in here and be ready, you know? Yeah. So that's what we did. We rehearsed and uh, got all the songs sussed out. I, I think we really wanted to record a full record, but again, with the uh, you know music world the way it is now, 
to actually afford to do that and uh, to, to be able to pull together 11 songs in a timely manner with all of us having to pull jobs, that was going to, you know, full-time jobs, that was going to be tough. So we decided on the EP, and, you know, we've got five songs that we recorded with Jeff McAleer down there at uh, High Five Audio, can't say enough about them, and we threw on the demo version of Dogs of Pompeii on the end as like a little bonus. Uh, and he, dude, I, you know, he's like a metal wizard behind the scenes. He's an amazing guy. I really, I think he did an excellent job on the album. Yeah, no, he definitely said, you know, but you're talking about like putting out an EP and like a full length record. And I have to be honest, I talk to a lot of bands on the show every week. More and more bands are going with the EP today than an album because they feel like people have a short attention span. They only take in one or two songs. They, you know, they download one or two songs. They don't buy the whole record. They don't listen to all the songs. So they think, you know what? We have 15 songs. Why put it out on one record? And it's not going to go anywhere. A week after we put it out, it's going to be forgotten about. So they've been breaking them down. It's like uh, Skid Row just did it. Was it a trident are on that path right now? So a lot of bands are doing that. I think maybe this is the way to go because it's cheaper for bands you know, to record a couple of songs in a shorter period of time, put them out, and people can enjoy it too. With, I mean, you know, we're, we come from a different era, you and I, where we bought the whole record, we listened to it start to finish, we loved it. But the kids today, they don't, they don't really don't have that mindset. So maybe you're better off with the EPs. We might just do a string of them because we still have about seven songs in the can that we need to brush up on a bit, but we could go back in the studio and put out another EP in five months, you know? It's yeah. just a matter of uh, getting Jeff over here because he just moved out to Texas here recently, but we could either have him lay down the guitar tracks out there and share them and file share and do it that way or fly him in, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, this is just the, the beginning, man. I can't wait to see how this thing blossoms. And because you're having me on right now, I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the exposure this has given us. This is wonderful. So thank uh, you. Man. It's my pleasure to have you on here. The three people that are listening – you just go out and buy the record, so don't worry about that. We had a little bigger audience than that, but, you know, and, hey, you can't be too bad a position if you can fly your guy in from Texas. I mean, you guys are in, in top tier form over there. We'll, we'll figure it out somehow, man. We'll do a Kickstarter and see if we can get Jeff over to Jacksonville. That's right. <laughs> Kickstarter. We need our guitar player to come in and play with us, so... But, you know, you know Kickstarter is not a bit. Every band has gone with the Kickstarter, that indie go-go. I can't remember the name of all of these uh, sites and everything, but that might be a way to go in the future if maybe the to put out the next record or maybe do a little tour, get around and play. I know it's not so easy when band members aren't like right near each other anymore, but it would be great if you guys can get out there and do some shows all over the place. It's you know easier said than done, but that would be fantastic. I know I would, I'm coming on the floor anyway in a couple of years, so hopefully you'll still be playing, and I'll see you guys then. Uh, man, you got beers on the way. I've got all kinds yeah. of independent breweries there I'll take you to and treat you. So uh, definitely. I'll be there, I'll be there but, in May for vacation, but I'm going to be moving down there in a few years, so uh, we'll have plenty of time to spend together over there. Very cool, man. Very cool. You're, you always got an open invitation in my house. Oh, that's but, good to yeah, know, the, man. I, I think the game plan from here out, you know, is just exposure, exposure. You know, I know for us, Spotify would be huge, but they've got this weird equation they use. Basically, if people add your band on their playlist on Spotify, then Spotify sees what kind of people like what your music is. They, they match you up with those artists, and then they play you more on their own automatically, and that's how you get more exposure on Spotify. Okay. So I've been telling everybody, please add us to your playlist, and that'll actually get us blowing up a little bit more on that Internet Radio Avenue Spotify. You know, So if anybody's listening, please add us there. Also, check us out on YouTube. Vigilante's out there. We'd love some more thumbs up and uh, positive comments. would be great. And obviously, you know, the record can be found on the Bandcamp, but better than that for Christmas, Jeff thought this up. He's like, yo, let's do a blue light special, like old school Kmart blue light special, you know? <laughs> 
So he's got the CD, the actual physical CD, reduced to just three bucks. No shipping and handling between now and the end of December. If anybody has an interest in helping us out purchasing the CD, that would mean the world. Just go to pseudocidal.com, and uh, we'd love for you guys to show us some support and help us out a bit by picking up the CD. I think you'd dig it. How can you be $3, no shipping, for actual CD? People pay more than that for a download today, for a couple of downloads. You ha- this is the way you have to do it, people. You have to go and buy the- I'm going to put the link up here so people know where to go. But you have to go and buy it. You- how can you be $3 and stuff somebody's stocking? And I love the blue light special. I was in Kmart last week. You know, actually, they actually still do that. Oh, awesome. That's great. I haven't seen it in years. Yeah, it was in uh, the one in Manhattan. The whole ceiling turned blue. I'm like, what the frig is that? They actually still do it. So that's a pretty good thing. I like that. Oh, man. So, Kevin, I only got five minutes left in the show. I want to get on one more tune before we uh, let you go. But like I said, where is the best place for everybody to find you guys on the net? And we are definitely going to do this again real soon. I love that, man. Yeah, honestly, if you just look up the name, it's such an unusual name. We, we own it, man. We're everywhere online. So Pseudocidal, you see Pseudocidal.com, Facebook, Reverb Nation, the YouTube video. If anybody is interested, they can push that for us. We'd really appreciate it. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're living large online. One other thing I want to add real quick, though, man, to give, again, credit to my wife. She did the album cover and the entire layout of the, of the CD. I think she did an amazing job. She's a great artist. If anybody's interested, too, and maybe having her do their album artwork, please, it's kind of like a John Baisley-type vibe, the guy from Baroness. If anybody's interested in that, contact me through pseudocidalband at gmail.com, and I'll get you guys in touch, and she'd definitely want to hear out what you're looking for for your album cover, and uh, we'll see if we can make that work for, you, for anybody out there who's interested. You are just like Kmart. It's a one-stop shop, man. I'm, definitely people should be doing that, without a doubt, Kevin. She did a great job <laughs> cool. in the album. Tell her, tell her I said so. I will, man. And by the way, if you got anything from Stillborn coming out, let me know. I want to hear your band, man. I love Stillborn. That's awesome stuff that you've done back in the day. Yeah, we're, we're kind of we're, we're dead on the vine, you know. <laughs> it was like 30 years ago, but uh, we were all teenagers back then. But we're just having fun with it now. Who the hell would want to put Dude, that record out time. beyond me? But the guy spent a lot of money on it, so now. <laughs> I love it. It's a solid, solid hardcore CD, man. I love it. So if you're going to put some more out, keep me queued in, okay? You got it, buddy. Kevin, thank you very much, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Take care. You're right. All right, Kevin Montgomery from Suicidal. I got to really slow down to say that right because I just got that Brooklyn, New York Italian accent and I talk a million miles an hour because in my family when I was a kid, if you didn't get it out really, you weren't going to get anything out. But here you go. Open palm, closed fist.
tonight kevin montgomery and biff bifit had a great show it was a pleasure talking with you guys tonight thank you everybody for listening i'll see you thursday for the metal matinee at 12 o'clock it's misery loves company all right we got about three or four minutes left uh so i'll get one more tune on we'll close things out you guys have a great week here in new york it's cold it's snowing it's raining so if you guys are in the warmer climate areas enjoy it because <laughs> we're freezing our ass off up over here all right how about some steel vengeance Midnight Machine. Take care, everyone.
best heavy metal anywhere. BlogTalkRadio.com and Heavy Metal Mayhem. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.